I want you to turn with me for a few moments today, and I hope you haven't started recording yet. We're reaching people on the internet this morning, and I want to say something that will be beneficial to our internet uh, congregation this morning. We've had several that have listened to our, our new youth director's message last Sunday on encouragement. That message was for just for your pastor. If you received anything from it, you just got the drippings off of what I received because it did my heart good like a medicine. But I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about changes from the inside out. I don't know about you, but every day I have to ask the Lord, change me on the inside so that your glory and your presence will radiate on the outside. Give me strength and the power to mount up with wings as eagles to run and not be weary when my body is so tired I can hardly keep it going. There are days when, when I, I find my left foot telling my right foot, if you'll let me pass you this time, I'll let you pass me next time. But it's those times when the energy, you know, the, the Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the othermost parts of the earth. And, you know, sometimes we try to make a spiritual thing out of that. Can I say this? God wants you to know it's just as real in the physical as it is in the spiritual. And I, there's days when I have to command this body, body, you get off of your lazy buns this morning and get busy. We're going to make a difference in somebody's life. And it's fun because God will, doesn't the Bible say, if you'll delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Is that what it says? Are you sure it says that? I, I'm sure it does too. So there's times when we just need the supernatural strength. Maybe we're going to come in contact with somebody that, you know, uh, if we really had our wishes, and I know a pastor should never say this, but sometimes you, you, just, you just wish that the opportunity wasn't possible and yet you're involved in a situation and you're asking the Lord Lord I don't know what to do I don't know what to say but you've never failed me and I'm gonna you're not slack concerning your promises and you said if any man lack wisdom let him call upon God that gives to all men liberally so I go to to the father and I ask him father would you give me wisdom today to be the kind of person to be the kind of witness that you want me to be and he's he's never failed me I find a portion of scripture this morning that I want to highlight as we talk about changing from the inside out, and it's found in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24, and it's talking about two of the 12, tri 12 spies that uh, was sent into the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had promised to the children of Israel after they had been released from the prison of the Egyptians. They had been slaves for quite some time. They'd made brick mortar and they'd made brick out of straw and they had just served the Egyptians because they had been taken into captivity. But they had a great leader by the name of Moses and Moses kept going to Pharaoh and asking Pharaoh, set, set us free so that we can get life on and be what we're supposed to be. And then one day God steps into the scene. He changes Pharaoh's mind and, and Moses leads the children of Israel out of out of Egypt bondage. He leads us to the place where God has promised. It's called the promised land. It's pro the land of Canaan is what the Bible says. And Josh, Moses was so kind. There was 12 tribes of Israel in this congregation that he was leading of, of more than a million people. I forget what the I think it was around 3 million people. But he, had, he led them to the, to the, just to the borders of, of the promised land, and he, he picked out one man out of each tribe of, Israel, of the Israelites, and he said, I want you to go in, and I went for 40 days, I want you to spy out the land, and I want you to see if that land is what the, the, that God has told us it would be. And so he released the 12, tribe, 12 spies, and they went into the land, and for, tw 
40 days, they spied out the land. When they came back to Moses and gave the report, they said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's exactly what God said it would be. He said, the grapes are so bountiful, we had to hang this cluster of grapes on a pole, and two men had to carry it out of the promised land. It's everything that he, he said it would be, but there's just a problem or two that we need to talk about. There's giants in the land. They are so big, and they have fortified cities, walls are built, built around them, and there's no way that we can invade that land because we see them, and when we look upon these giants that are in the land, we just see ourselves as grasshoppers. I pray this morning, if you're facing the giant in your life, that you never take on the identity that they took on and see yourself as a grasshopper. Listen to me. If you're followers of Jesus, he wants to make the strength inside of you greater than the strength that's trying to take you out this morning. And you can repeat time and time again the scripture that says, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Back to the board meeting they were having. There was 12 spies that came back. They reported to their fearless leader, Moses, it's everything. There's just a few problems. And, I don't, and 10 of the 12 said, we're not able to go in. And Joshua and Caleb, two men out of, the, out of the tribes of the same family, said, we're well able to go in. Let's go in at once. Let's don't, let's don't think about it. Let's meditate. Let's get the show on the road. Let's do it now. And I want to pick up there from, with the words that they spoke in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, from the New King James Version. It says, but my servant, Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. After the board meeting was over, God speaks to Joshua and Caleb. He said, this is what I'm going to do. For every year, for every day that you spent in, in, in spying out the land, I'm going to cause those that are under, uh, under the age, I think, of 20, I'm going to cause them to wander in the wilderness one year for every day that they checked out the promised land. And for 40 years, there was a wandering in the wilderness. And every adult died in the wilderness just hours away from the promised land. I've asked myself this question on various occasions. If God has promised it and I haven't entered it, Will I allow myself to die in the wilderness of despair? In the wilderness is where doubt, fear, and unbelief lives. In the wilderness is where you'll find uh, Job's comforters. You'll find people that see eye to eye on you. And the vision that God has for you will be contaminated by, by doubt, fear, and unbelief. The enemy is so, so uh, adamant about doing everything he can to draw people off of their visions, their goals, and, their, and the things in life that God has prepared for them. He even works on people during the hour when your life is being attacked by the enemy. Maybe your health is in the balances and found wanting this morning. Maybe your marriage is in trouble today. Or maybe your finances just seem like you're bankrupt. Can I say this? It's in the wilderness of despair that the enemy wants to take you so he can defeat you, so he can steal from you, and so he can destroy the dreams, goals, and vision that God has for your life. You're the head and not the tail. You're the above and not the beneath. And Philippians 4.13 says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Listen to me. This Bible is the most precious roadmap that you can ever encounter. This is the greatest book that you can ever apply to your life, but it will do it. never do anything good for you until you place it right here. And you begin to read and you begin to meditate and you begin to apply. Listen. 
Listen, this book will do nothing for you sitting on the coffee table. You've got to, every day, you've got to find some time just to get alone and say, God, what would you have to say to me? I don't want to go to the wilderness. I don't want to wander. I don't want to be lost. I need your help this morning. And we see Joshua and Caleb. After, after the, everything they'd gone through, after being, being uh, uh, released from prison of the Egyptians, after seeing God move mightily, after he had seen, they'd seen the promises that God had given them concerning the promised land, 10 out of the 12 says, we can't do it. Can I say this this morning out of all love and kindness? I can't. And I don't want to, are different, two different personalities, but they're first cousins. I've in, been introduced to both of them. It seems more religious to say I can't. But the truth is, do you want to? And, and we all process this. As, you know, don't look at me so strange. I'm just preaching to myself. And if you should be jumping the pews this morning if, if this isn't hitting home because it's all for the pastor. You're just listening to me preach the message that I apply every day to my life. I have to take my, I have to say, self, you're going to spend some time in the Word of God because you're just as guilty as anybody of veering off of course. Being a pilot for a number of years, just one degree off course. If you left here and you were headed to Chicago, you wouldn't, you wouldn't cross the Chicago airport by the time you got there if you were just one degree off. How about our lives this morning? You know, I don't care how hard we wrestle, how hard we fight. It's not within us to keep our course right all the time and ourselves. But with God, nothing is impossible. In the discouraging moments, in the times when we're being challenged, in the times when it just seemed like nothing's going right. And I looked at the Bible and I said, these are the promises you made, Lord. You said upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I don't mind being transparent with you. You're my church family. We're going to heaven together. If you don't like me now, please don't let me know or I'll move next door to you when we get there. And boy, we'll have a time up there. In fact, I've already been practicing on that song. Man, we're going to have a time up there. You don't know how mischievous I can be until we get there. I'm keeping part of it under, under a, a guard this morning. But in the journey of life, in the, in the processing of life, there are times when we just have to say, God, this is what your word says, and I believe it. And when there's no vis- visibility of it even coming to pass, we have to move to the place, and I'm going to accept this no matter how my circumstances look. In challenging moments, I go to the, Luke, the first chapter, and I see the angel Gabriel as he uh, approaches a teenage girl who's never had sex before, and he knocks on her door one morning. He said, I've got good news for you. You're going to get pregnant. And she said, how can I do that? I've never been with a man. And he said, oh, let me just explain it to you. The Holy Spirit's going to move upon you, and you're going to conceive, and you're going to bring forth a child. He's going to be, his name's going to be Emmanuel. I don't know how much sense that would make to you, but that would not be good news for me, especially if I was a teenager, and especially if I lived in a small community, and especially if, if everybody knew my business, and, and everybody knew when uh, I'd had an overdraw, and everybody knew when... Uh, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. That would not have been good news. But he said, oh, I bring good tidings. This is good tidings, you know. And, and let me show you the response of a teenage girl. She said to this angel, according to your word, 
be it unto me. I don't know about you, but there would have been a lot of things about pregnancy that a teenage girl would not have understood. She would not have known what the pains of giving birth to a child was all about. She would have probably known the people that surrounded her that knew how to keep a secret and who didn't. <laughs> Can you just hear the coffee shop talk? Mary's pregnant. Can you get a load of that? She's never had sex. <laughs> you believe that? Tell me another and before that one gets cold. I, I mean, my imagination just really runs with this, you know. And then we say we have struggles believing that God's Word is true. Come on. You know, if you can believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, what's wrong with the rest of it? Thank you. Thank you. I've had the same struggle. Lord, Lord, just let me get a hold of this. Same verse in Numbers chapter 20, 14, verse 24 from Max Lucado's devotional Bible says, but my servant thinks differently and follows me completely, so I will bring him into the land he's already seen, and his children will own the land. I want to circle an area that comes from the devotional Bible, but my servant Caleb thinks differently. There's a scripture found in Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And you know what? We think that all of our thinking takes place up here. We think, but, but your mind is a gateway to your heart. And as, as believers, you know what, we, we say this quite often, we're three-part. We live in this body. This body is showing uh, some age in the, in the journey of life. It houses our spirit. Our mind, will, and emotion is right here called the soulish man. And then there's a place in our heart and, and inside of us that was a void until we accepted Jesus Christ. And it's a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And once you invite Jesus into your life and he moves into your life, he lifts a load of sin out and he places his Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, our soulish man didn't get saved. Our mind still tries to function like it used to function. Our mind, will, and emotion is a part of us that will be in training till the day that Jesus calls us home. If you don't believe that, let me ask you this. Let me just be real nosy for a moment. How many's had one bad thought this week? I'm not looking. I've had two. I've had two. You know what that tells me? My mind needs to be going to training. And I turn to the Scripture. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with man. I think, whoa. There's no need in going any further than that. Self, get a load of this. And our mind will obey your spirit if you tell it to. How many, how many has ever had this problem in life? My mind just wanders. I see three smiles, so I know I'm not alone. My mind just wanders. You know, I, I sit down to study, Pastor, my mind just wanders. Join the crowd. I've read, a pas- I've read a passage of Scripture and come to the end, and I thought, self, what did you read? And I said, self, you're not going to like this, but we're going to spend time reading that again. And we're going to get something out of it this time. You know, it's not only children have a problem of disobedience. It's this thing right up here between our shoulders that, that many times walks in disobedience to the Word of God. And, you know, then I came across this scripture this week that really did hurt me right down here because you know when I disobey God's word the Bible says that's like rebellion 
How many of you like the word disobey better than you do rebellion? Well, I do. I don't want to be a rebel. You know, I mean, I might disobey once in a while, but I don't want to. Don't you call me a rebel. That's like calling me a. We're not going to get into politics. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, Holy Spirit. I'll leave that alone today. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. But then I went on to see the scripture. Well, rebellion is a sign of witchcraft. How many have ever dealt with somebody else whose rebellion was so visible? Maybe your kid. And then somebody said, he's just a chip off the old block. Boy, it doesn't take us long to change channels there, does it? I don't know about you, but I got moving on my mind when they start talking that way. As a man thinketh in his heart, I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about, about our, our thought process as soon as I get a drink. We're living in a world that's upside down, and the enemy would like to do everything he can to turn you upside down. But he doesn't have that authority unless you allow him to come in. And, and Jesus says in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You may say, well, Pastor, I, I wish I'd have known that a long time ago. It's never too late. God wants you to know he has endorsed you with his authority, and you are able to control this mind. You're able to control your will. You're, you're even able, listen to me, listen to me. Our emotions are even controllable. God has given us ability. Our life is not out of control today. Just because the world is upside down doesn't mean that we have to walk upside down. God wants you to know that our, our thoughts will affect our confidence. And I want to look for a few moments. And our thoughts will affect not only our confidence, it'll affect them especially when conflict is going on. What is confidence? The psalmist said in verse 27 of the book of Psalms, and verse 1, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Fear will always work as your greatest enemy. Even though 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And can I say this? I never memorize scripture for your benefit. It's because I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, and I want to know how to win this battle. And so I can find this. I don't have to look in a concordance. There are scriptures that brings me through the valley of the shadow of death. When fear knocks at my door, I know exactly where to go to in the Bible because it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light to my pathway. And let me say this. I believe God knew to call me into the ministry because I don't know where I'd be today if I wasn't to call. I didn't call myself. I ran from this call. This was not my cup of tea. But boy, aren't I, uh, am I not glad that God got my attention in a great way and he involved me. America's finest psychologists say as a nation, we have produced a rootless, fatherless generation that is desperately in search of itself. We are so lacking in confidence that we waste our life trying to copy others, particularly the Hollywood stars. We urgently need to discover our genuine inner confidence, and a lack of confidence can destroy our business, it can destroy our marriages, it can destroy our relationships, it can even destroy our children, our peace, our dreams, it can even destroy the church. A lack of confidence. What do we say when we're over our head? 
gurgle, 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 gurgle. Sometimes. Webster says that confidence is the assurance. Is the assurance. It, it, it just means that you've got confidence. It simply means I'm going to live by faith because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. I'm going to live by faith, and it's a relationship and my trust in God that's going to see me through. He didn't get me into this mess, but he promised to get me out of it. You ever get on a roller coaster? You ever go snow skiing for the first time? Carolyn's husband, Renzi. I've worked on unforgiveness for years. We went to the ski slope the first time with Renzi and Carolyn with a host of young people. I, I recognized Renzi had a lot more wisdom than I did, and I'd been in, in school for a half a day. I came out of school with a set of skis with two poles, I mean, with my ski suit on. I was ready to hit the top of the mountain, and I asked Renzi, I said, am I ready to go to the top? He said, you're ready, buddy. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I get to the, I, we get, Sherry and I get into the ski lift, Renzi and Carolyn, uh, they are our shepherds, and we follow them to the top of the slope, and we get off, and boy, I'm telling you, we've got the gear, we've been to school, we've, we've got the possession, we, we have paid our dues, we're ready to go. We come off of the area where we get off of the ski lift, and we go about 100, maybe 300 feet, and all at once... Niagara Falls is in front of us. I sat down. I, I, there was no brakes. I had, I'd forgot to plow. And so I sat down and I stuck those poles in the, into the s- snow. And I began to pray, oh, God. And this guy went right back by me. He said, I prayed the same prayer. Lord, you get me out of this mess. I'll never get into it again. Job's comforters. Renzi comes by. Brother Graceful, <laughs> he goes off that just like a bunny would <laughs> at an Easter egg hunt. Yeah, that stinks. Well, he got even. <laughs> you see, there's always more to the story than what we want to tell, isn't there? I like to tell you about the home runs I made. How about the strikeouts? I'd loaded Renzi on the airplane several times going to the oil field. And uh, he said, how long are we going to be, be down in Garvin County? I said, well, we're coming back tonight. Night would overtake us. Our shaving gear and our underwear was at home. And I'd say, Renzi, we're not going to get to go home tonight. Well, he was pretty forgiving the first night. We'd go get a shower, and we had no clean clothes. <clears throat> we worked all day the next day. Renzi was such a good sport. <laughs> Nighttime would come, and I'd still be hung up on a drilling rig. And I'd say, Renzi, we're going to have to go to Walmart. (laughs) Time and time again. I'm sure if I could have heard him say, he would say, oh, God, help my preacher to learn that lying never pays off. (laughs) Just help him to know that we need to go prepared when we go to the field. You know, sometimes life just doesn't give us any time to prepare. Sometimes we think that we've got life all figured out. Sometimes we get to thinking, boy, you know, I've got it made. I've, I've made it over that hurdle. It's going to get easier. Open your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Niagara Falls may be the next step. It is a horrible feeling to look down and not know how you're going to get there. 
fear comes in. You know, I mean, even, even the pastor, you know, you deal with the spirit of fear. And then you say, well, God hasn't given me this. Well, where's it coming from? <laughs> confidence, confidence, confidence. We need to know that we can open God's word with confidence. It's a relationship of trust in God and yourself and others that produces the, the poise under stress because we all get stressed so, so badly at times that we get stretched. And the Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto me, be it unto you. Let me tell you how I got off, this, off of that Niagara Falls drop. I mean, it was straight down. I went down bottom first. But I got down. If I would have let fear control me, they'd still be laughing as they went by me today. I just didn't get back on the big, big lift again that day. I found my place around the coffee pot, hot cider, enjoying fellowship more than I'd ever enjoyed it before. You know, life can be a high adventure. Faith is starting out. Before you know how it's going to end up, we raise our children in faith that they're going to grow up and be the kind of people we want them to be. We have faith to believe that some way, somehow, America is going to turn around. We believe some way, somehow, our own life, our own marriages, our own, our own storms that we're facing is going to turn around, and yet we never know until we get through the storm just how things are going to work out. You've got to have faith. Faith is a matter. It's a substance that things hope for. I, I hope I'm going to make it. I, I think I'm going to make it. And then we come to the Bible, and it energizes that source of strength inside of us that allows us to say, I know I'm going to make it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, no matter where you're facing, what you're facing today, you need to have the assurance that God is for you, not against you. And the enemy's going to say, but he doesn't know where you've been, and he doesn't know what you've done. I don't have to know. I don't have to know. I don't want to know. Here's what I know. God's seen where I was last night. He sees where I'm going to be next year. And he's, the Bible says he saw my ending before he saw my beginning. And he said, he's worth it. He's worth it. I'm going, to, I'm, going to allow him, I'm going to allow him the privilege of coming to earth in the form of flesh, and I'm going to give him an opportunity to serve me confidence did you know God has confidence and even though we are rebellious by not always obeying the scripture he's still long-suffering to us not willing that any should perish but listen we've got to know do more than know that we've got to get it down inside of us so it will give us the strength the inner strength to begin to change and allow God to qualify us and make us into people that he wants us to be how about this our thoughts determine our altitude. The attitude of an airplane determines whether it's descending or, or rising. And if you're climbing the altitude of that plane, and you've always got an ho- artificial horizon. And if you can't see out that windshield, you can look at that ho- horizontal uh, uh, indicator, and you can tell what attitude that airplane is in. And they teach you how to have faith in the instruments when you can't see out the windshield. 
And you go from a VFR pilot to an IFR pilot, which means you no longer have to see through your eyes to know where you're going. You can just look at the panel, and you can put faith in the panel. When it's saying you're descending, you can know exactly how far you are from planet Earth and what to do before you lose your life. God wants you to know living by faith. Sometimes you can't see where you're going. Sometimes you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but you've got to have faith to believe that God is who he says he is, and he'll do for you what he wants to do. And the first thing he wants you to do is look on the inside. There's something inside that God wants to take care of. He wants to lift the load of bitterness. He wants to lift the load of unforgiveness. And, and I, was, I was seated just a, uh, a few days ago, and I was listening to a favorite uh, preacher preaching that I'd get up early enough to listen and he was saying this he was talking to his congregation of several thousand people plus he was talking to millions of people over the television network but he said this about unforgiveness I'm not going to let somebody else send me to hell because I refuse to think forgive them I listened to a, a person just yesterday, and she says, I got so upset because of, of what they were doing. I said, honey, they're controlling your life when they, you let them do what they do upset you. You've got to realize you're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you. Yes. And every time I look in the mirror, I think, boy, God, you've got your work cut out. We've got a lot of work to do today. <laughs> Several people looked in the mirror and saw the same thing. I our thoughts determine our attitude, our altitude. Isaiah forty thirty one is a special for mine, but for me. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord, meaning our spirits intertwined with his. Their strength is renewed because they've chosen to allow their spirit to be intertwined with the Holy Spirit. They can mount up with wings as eagles. They can run and not be weary, and they can walk and not faint. That scripture has been placed in Isaiah 40, 31 by a prophet because God knew how bad that I would need that. It's when the coil of my spirit is wrapped up in the coil of his spirit that I can say the joy of the Lord is my strength. I will fear no evil. When God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. And then there's times I've really wrestled and struggled with this when I've said, Lord, according to your word, be it unto me. That's a tough assignment sometimes for all of us. And let me just say this this morning. Our thoughts are the mirror of our soul. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Has anybody ever told you that? Jared ministered to us last, last, last Sunday morning, and I was thinking about the, the message, and I was traveling down the highway, and I was thinking, and, and I, I've thought about this several times. I've never met a man when I tried to encourage him, but what he, he, there's never been a man to tell me, don't put that on me. I've got all that encouragement I need. I've never met that person. We all need encouragement. I don't care who we are. There's times when you won't believe this, but there's times I just wait solidly to say, you did a horrible mess today. <laughs> or She doesn't say that about my preaching, but she says, who made this horrible mess around the coffee pot? Oh, well, somebody else must have been in our house. Somebody ran the pot over. What are these, what are these coffee grounds doing around that coffee pot? I want to close this morning with a few thoughts found. Let me see if I can find it. 
thoughts this morning that deals with our confidence. And it will help us and strengthen us to know what we can do when we're in conflict. And life is a constant conflict. We, we have conflict with our schedules. We have conflict with, with things that are going on. Sometimes the weather is, uh, is a challenge to us. Sometimes there's just a lot of things going on in our life that, that uh, is a challenge to our, our, our life. And it brings conflict and things and thoughts to our life that sometimes just paralyzes us. How do I maintain confidence when our leaders don't even know how to tell the truth? I think after the election, I'm going to change my party. I don't know. I, I may just not be a party anymore. I'm kind of lost in this party group. I know I'm a part of the family of God, but I just don't know whether I'm registered with the right people or not. I'm registered with the family of God. But, you know, can I say this? Politics will never straighten out this world. Only this will straighten out the world. And you know what? I'm not praying for you. I'm praying for me so I can be the man of God that other people will want to be. And I've got a ways to go. But if we would all just adapt this testimony, God, I want, you to, I want you to help me maintain my confidence. When the going gets tough, when the going gets rough, when it seems like everything that I've tried to do backfires, give me the confidence that you're going to see me through. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity... How do we overcome moments when life makes you feel inferior and when you feel intimidated and when you feel inadequate to face a crisis that you cannot eliminate in your life? When Satan comes as a roaring lion and he's knocking on your heart's door, trying to destroy the confidence and cause you to be insecure and cause you to retreat from the goals and visions that God has placed in your heart. Most people today, including myself, have entertained this thought. Maybe this is the time that I should check out. Maybe, maybe just, and the enemy, I don't care who you are, he will work on you constantly. Maybe this is just the day that I should get out of the way and let somebody else have it. The first thing we need to do is give up every thought that includes the word quitting. We have too many people saying this today, I'm going to quit my marriage. That's not in line with the word. I, I have, and listen to me, you can get caught in a situation with, and you're not in control. I understand that fully. This is not a guilt trip. I'm just telling you, we get caught in these areas, and our thought process t- tries to take us in places where we don't belong as a church. And when Satan comes today, including our own families, and talks about a quitting mentality. You need to understand, people in Chester don't quit. They're dying out, but they're not quitting. People say, how big is Chester? I say, 176 when nobody's in the hospital. How big is Chester? The Bible says, he endure, that endures to the end shall be saved. Endurance. Endurance. You start developing confidence when you stop making excuses about your own life circumstances. 
an excuse and a lie are first cousins. And I've used them both in times when I should have just faced up and accepted my responsibility with what I was facing in life. The price of greatness is responsibility. Greatness is found in responsibility. And I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible how I respond to life's challenges. I'm responsible to a church family. I'm responsible to, for, to a community. And, and the Bible says this, of much, who much is given, much will be required. And while I long to sit where you sit, God says, you're not going to sit down. I'm going to use you, and I'm going to use you in a way that I want to use you. And finally, I had to come to the place that Mary came in her own life. She's, when she said, according to your word, be it unto you. All living things in life become acceptable when we accept responsibility. You know, when we strike out, nobody made us do it. When we make home runs, nobody made us do it. Nobody told us to swing at the ball when it was untouchable. We have to become, we have to become what your decisions have made you, and then analyze where we're at and how far we are off course. And we've all, according to Romans 3.23, sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, there's times when I want to say this, and the Holy Spirit says, be careful, there's three fingers pointing back at you while you're pointing this one. And then I think about how Jesus as he was facing this people and people and even those that walked with him failed miserably and people that saw miracles even, even then dealt with the spirit of unbelief. But we're responsible. First of all, I'm responsible to God. The day I gave my life to him, the day I dedicated my life to him, I became responsible to him. I, I realized that, that I could never live in a dream world and still be filled with excuses. I had to face what God had given me and then apply it in order to make my life what it is today. And usually an excuse is a thin skin of fear stretched tightly over an untruth. Never surrender to the cancer of fear today. I'm, I'm closing with this. Never be intimidated by your weakness. Never let worry master you. Because worry is an interest on a debt that you don't know. I'm going to say that again. I've paid much interest on a debt that I didn't know. Worry is interest on a debt that you don't owe. And God wants you to know this morning, no matter where you're at in the journey of life, he says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You look at the scripture, he said, there's a rest wherewith the weary shall be made to rest. No matter where we're caught in the grips of life, God wants you to know he wants you to rest. He wants to give rest to our, our lives this morning. The spirit that so many times in turmoil, he wants to speak rest over your spirit. And can I say this? If he can still speak to the winds and the waves and the stormy seas of life and they obey, then I have to look at the man in the mirror, the one who gives me the biggest challenges of life, and I have to say, if you can speak to the winds and the waves and they obey, oh God, 
may I never, may I never turn channels from the channel you're, you're speaking to me today. And this is a confidence that I have as I ask him, Lord, you said this is a confidence that I can have if I ask anything according to your will. You hear me. And if I know you hear me, I have the petitions I desire. Could I ask this question this morning? What's going on in life for you today? If you had the ability within yourself, what would you change this morning that just seems like it's bound so tight that nothing will ever unravel the prison that you're locked in this morning? What is it that you're facing in life that just simply produces fear? And fear brings on torment and and life. And there's times when you wake up at the midnight hour and you're looking into the darkness of that bedroom hour with very little hope. It's those times, it's those times at the midnight hour those times when I felt so alone, it's been those times when I didn't think anybody else would ever understand that God, He never sleeps, He never slumbers. He's a present help in time of need. And He's always been there. And He's always been there with comfort and strength. And He's never talked to me about my shortcomings. He's always talked to me about the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And I close this morning by saying this. If you're not listening to the voice of God, he's standing at your heart's door this morning. And he wants to help you with, your, with life's problems. He wants to help you with the challenge that you're facing. He wants to help you and strengthen you so that you can come forth of this. The Bible says, oh, we'll be tested with, with fire. He said we can come forth shining as pure gold. And if you're here this morning, you just don't know. You, have, you don't have the assurance. You don't have the confidence. I want, you to, I want to help you by encouraging you to go to the Bible and allow God's Word to begin to train your mind to think on the good things and the provision He's made. Keep that mind renewed by the Word of God. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I love this second verse. He said, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, be transformed through the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Would you bow your head this morning? And I'm going to encourage you today just to shut out the thought process of what's going to happen when you leave God's house this morning. And I just want you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to talk to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in the middle of a situation in life. Whoever said life was fair. I always have this antidote for that, that, that statement, God is so good. And when God steps in, your eyes focus on Him and not life. And here's what He said about life. If we'll seek him first, he'll say, he says, I'll give you life and have it. I'll, I'll give it so you'll have it in abundance. You're here this morning and you're at the crossroads of life. And the challenges are, are greater sometimes than you can handle. 
you want to trust God, but you don't just don't have the answer today. But you want to have the answer. And I can tell you the answer is Jesus. He's going to give you the peace this morning to see you through the challenge that you're facing. I just want to ask this question before we stand and pray. Are you here this morning? You just say by an uplifted hand. That's me, Pastor. I need your prayers this week. I need, to, I need for God to see me through. I want to come through this, this situation that I'm in with strength and courage and the help that only God can give me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's hands going up on every side of the building this morning. Would you stand? It's still a few moments till 12. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray the benediction with you this morning. And those that raised your hand, if you, if you want to come forward, we're going to stay here and we're going to stay and pray with you if you desire special prayer. But I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit has taken a message to your heart and you're going to take it, you're going to leave this building and you're going to promise God in yourself, I'm going to apply that to my life because I know God's going to see me through. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege this morning of standing before this congregation. I thank you for the opportunity you give us every day to stand up for you. Your word is always true. It never returns void. I pray for those that raised their hand this morning. I release the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, turn the light on in the darkest hours of their life today. And let them see that the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord. And Lord, good people make bad decisions at times. That doesn't label good people as bad people because they made a bad decision. Lord, today, 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 we can say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I pray when this, this prayer comes to a close this morning and the service is dismissed, those that need prayer will not walk out of this door, but they will come forward and allow us to join our faith with them to believe that with you nothing is impossible. We give all the praise and the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed this morning.